comprised of seven, but as he rightly pointed out, it's one church. And it's just a delight to see the people in the balcony and the people throughout worshiping, worshiping our one God. Let's just pray and ask God to uh, just pour His blessing and His uh, revelation out to us from His Scripture. Lord, we come to You because You are the revealer of all things. You are the one that met us in a form of something that was innocent and vulnerable, and You revealed Yourself in a child, in a baby, because You wanted to reveal to us a king. So, Lord, we pray that as we come to you this morning, you will reveal to our hearts the things, not just to add to our our information, but, Lord, you will change us. You will make us into people who love you and serve you and want to be just your, your disciples in all ways, and we give you the thanks and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we come to the end of 2017, our minds turn to a blend of looking forward and looking back. It's a time of taking down and packing away and cleaning up. For some of us, it's also a time of focusing on other things that were packed away this last year as we get ready to hit the gym. We look down and we see a little bit more than we care to see. It's a little bit like the woman uh, who looked at her husband weighing himself on the bathroom scales and sucking in his stomach and said to him, or said to herself, he thinks he will weigh less by just sucking in his stomach. So the woman sarcastically said that to her husband, you're not going to weigh any less by sucking it in. It's not going to help. Her husband said, sure it will. It's the only way I can see the numbers. So this morning, some end-of-the-year stuff, where we take a look at some things that we've overlooked for far too long, when we take a look at some of the dead weight that has gotten in the way of, of who we understand God to be and who God has designed us to be. Now, for safeguard some of you this morning, to safeguard you from a spouse's elbow uh, coming in at your ribs, I'm not speaking of your physical fitness. But I do want to take a look at the next little bit of taking a look at some of our spiritual fitness and where we stand before God and where God wants to take us. And I admit, the passage that I put before you this morning is rather an unusual place. But embedded in it, I think, are some important lessons that God would have us understand. As we understand, as we read again, Israel is in a difficult place. And this time, it's the Syrians that are waging war against Israel. And again, as so often is the case, Israel does not have an answer. And in that place, King Joash comes to Elisha, who is on his deathbed, in order to seek, God, you've got to deliver us from this because I don't have an answer. And at first glance, it appears the king is coming, fully submitting his power, fully submitting his authority, fully coming to God, with his words being very earnest, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. It would seem that this is King Joash's way of saying, Elisha, my army is your army and my authority is your authority. It's all yours. 
And in response, the king, or Elisha, turns to the king and says, okay, so open the windows and shoot an arrow and shoot it eastward. Now, that would have made sense to, uh, to Joash. Because the king, if you were to take an arrow, if you were to take, take your bow and you take it up, and you were to shoot an arrow, it would be symbolically and realistically declaring, we are waging hostilities, we are waging war against the enemy that has been amassed against us. And so Joash would have understood that. It was, it was the king's way of saying, we are going to reclaim what the enemy has taken. It's our land, and we're getting it back. That made sense to Joash. And then Elisha, if he was missing it, the king was missing it, Elisha said he took his hands as a dying man, and he put them, and he put them on top of Joash's hand and said, now pull the arrow. So symbolizing as you pull it, uh, uh, Joash, God is pulling it. It's God is in control. The battle is God's battle, it's not yours. As long as you take the arrows and you use them in accordance the way I've told you to use them, victory is yours, it's assured. So, by taking the arrows and shooting them from the window, Joash was assured of one thing, you do as I say, and victory is yours. You've got it, it's all looked after. The arrows, the Lord's arrows guaranteed it. So far, so good. The Lord's presence, obviously there. The enemy's winning streak, it's about to end. And then everything went south. Now, take your arrow and strike the ground with it. Strike the ground with it, Elisha or Joash. Do what I ask you to do. Now, this instruction was harder for Joash to understand. I get it. Shooting an arrow eastward from the window, that's your declaration of the enemy will defeat it. That's symbolic. I get that. But this part, striking the ground with an arrow, that I'm not really sure of. It's possible that it could mean that strike the ground with the arrow, shoot the arrow in the ground, but the, the Scripture actually uses very different words, one for shooting and one for striking. So I think uh, the Elisha the prophet is saying, Elisha, or Joash, strike the ground, hit the ground with it. And Joash does what he's told to do. And then he stops. After all, this, this was confusing. It didn't make sense. But apparently, Elisha was very convinced that what you just did did not make sense because Elisha was furious. It says he was angry. You should have struck the ground five or six times. Why did you stop at three? Now, if you're like me, we could come back with the perspective, hey, hey, listen, Elisha, a little bit of more information would have been nice. How was I to know that you wanted me to strike the ground five or six times. If you wanted to be a little clearer on that, a little bit more information, would have been useful. Five or six times, you could have said it. And truth be told, that's often my response and your response. Come on, God, I'm not a mind reader. I don't know what you want. How was I to know what you were asking? My, ever get there? 
that we don't exactly know what God is saying, and my hunch is that a lot of you do the same thing. After all, Elisha did what he was told, or Joash did what he was told to do. You told me to strike the ground, and that's exactly what I did. I complied with what you said. Why would I ever keep at it until you told me it was time to stop? See, Joash obeyed in a way where obligations were met. He obeyed in a way that rules were followed and conditions were fulfilled. He complied. He did comply to what Elisha said. And I think that's where the problem was. He complied with God rather than fully believing that God wants way more than just compliance. Sound familiar? Admittedly, Joash didn't know the full implications of what striking the ground meant. He, he didn't get it. He didn't fully understand what it would accomplish. But I think it's fair to say that Elisha the prophet was calling Joash to step in to look. Do what I ask you to do in full-out, obedient adventure with God, intimate, passionate, dynamic, filled with victories, living. Not stepping in and testing the water if, if maybe this is far enough with you, God, but stepping in fully, just doing what I ask you to do, and don't stop until I tell you to. Plunging in and trusting who God is. Stepping into an awareness with God that compliance will never allow us to have. Doing the church thing, doing the right living thing, doing the honoring God thing. Stepping in compliance when God says, do you want compliance or do you want a full adventure with me? Do you want intimacy with me? Do you want passion with me? Do you want a relationship with me? And so not knowing where God's instructions would take him, he stopped. In truth, his response was a lot like mine, probably a lot like many of you, that I want to know the outcome of where he leads before I will step and declare myself fully in, where my faith is actually more determined by ironclad assurances and mapped out conclusions. Just show me where this leads, God, and then I'm fully yours, but if I don't know where it's leading then I'm only going to step in with a small toe. I'm only going to strike the ground. I'll, I'll comply. But I'm not fully in. But instead, God calls me to, look, don't trust in the outcomes. Just trust in me. As you went through year 2017, and as was pointed out, some of you went through 2017 with great victories and great, great joy. Some of you went through 2017 with great heartache and great challenges. We can't turn back the clock on 2017, but God now calls us, what, who, who and what will you be in the year ahead? Will you be someone that complies? You step in a toe, or do you fully trust me for an adventure I want to take you on? Indeed, our adventure is often like the gazelle. The gazelle is an amazing creature. It can leap 10 feet high in a single bound. It actually can leap 30 feet in one single bound. But this Olympic challenger ceases to leap and bound and can be contained by a three-foot wall in a zoo. It could leap over that in one bound without any trouble. 
But if the gazelle cannot see where it's going to land, it will not jump. That's why you can take something that is 30 feet in one and 10 feet high in another. If it can't see its landing place, it won't won't jump. In truth, our faith is often like a gazelle where we graze and nibble despite being made, as Christ said, being followers of him, to leap and bound over walls, to have an impact in our world. People whose families are different, whose churches are different, whose city is different, whose workplaces are different, whose neighborhoods are different, because we follow a Christ that says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And yet, we nibble and we graze and I'm sure this is why Joah or Elisha was so angry with, with Joash. You settle for so little. You live for so, so small things. Because we do know this about Elisha. We do know that Joah, or Elisha was angry because Joash stopped short of what pleased God. And he quit long before God told him to quit. We aren't told. We aren't told why exactly Elisha or Joaz did what he did, but I think we can guess. I think he stopped because of his pride. Because quite frankly, striking the ground is not what a king does. After after all, a king is to look kingly. The soldier's under his command. You do that because I commanded you to do it. A servant does that because you're commanded to do it. But a king... I don't strike the ground, I shoot arrows. That's not what a king is. So let's just get this striking the ground thing over with. It's not how we want to be seen as Christians. Many of us wanted to be known as as good people or nice people or doing the right thing type of people rather than Christ people. You know, people who are excitedly in love with Jesus. As we gather as a people together, that we don't look on our neighbor and see how they're worshiping. We don't look at the relatives who know us and wonder, why would you do that? But someone that is totally excited about worshiping Jesus, that is fully unashamed because pride doesn't enter in because I worship someone that deserves all my worship. We look back on year 17, and we can't change that, but we can change in 218 is that we are going to be declaring that we're going to be full out in love, passionate disciples of Jesus, and disciples who will change our world, will change our families, will change our workplace, will change our churches. That these churches that we're called together as one, we huddle in together as a group of maybe 700, 800, I don't know. But the point being is where God says to us, you want to impact your city, I have given you all the resource you need to be impact makers into the world I take you to. But the world is so much bigger of this city than us. We're only 700 or 800. Do you have an arrow that I call you to strike? Be a people that change our cities, change our world. Not a people that hang on to appearance and control. Elisha was told, or Joash was told, you know what, Joash? You won a battle. You'll win three battles because you struck the ground three times. But here's the thing, Joash. I wasn't interested in a battle. I don't want to 
put the enemy and hold them back. I want to destroy the enemy. And you chose to little, win little skirmishes when I've called you to win and destroy the enemy completely. I wonder if we settle for lives that look little different than those around. We ratchet down our worship and we hit the mute button regarding our faith because we want to be nice. We want to be looking good. I think the second thing is Joash's need to control because striking the ground is not how a king's arrows are used. As any warrior knows, you don't strike the ground with your arrows lest they be damaged. Their trajectory ruined. Uh, an arrow's point must be in the right face. The, the feathers on the back, they must be perfectly splayed because that flight path is determined by the arrow and you don't destroy it. Elisha, I get it. I understand the symbolism by striking the ground. I understand what you're trying to say. I, so the symbolism I get. But as a fighting man, I need my weapons tuned and finely ordered. You don't enter the battleground with broken weapons. I, I know you told me the battle is the Lord's, but sometimes your battle plans, they just have a way of going awry. Uh, what you asked me to do, it don't always make sense. So I tell you what, Lord, I'll strike the ground, I'll comply, but I'm just going to hold back a little bit. I'm going to keep a couple of the weapons safe. And so we live as half in a believer in Jesus, just not a full-out disciple of his. Because in truth, God, I'm not fully at, at peace with your plan because my enemy is a little bit bigger than, than you think. Your plan is a little con less convincing than I think needs to be. It's sort of faith with an outlaws. I will follow you, Lord. But I'm going to hold on to some of my own strengths. Because we don't fully believe that the battle is the Lord's. We don't fully believe. We don't fully believe that the Lord really wants to impact your workplace through you. We don't fully believe that the Lord says, I want to change your family through you. We don't fully believe that the Lord says, I want to change your city because this is a place from the beginning of time. Get this. This is a place from the beginning of time. I actually placed you to be in Richmond. I actually placed you to be in the place where you live. Why? So you will have an impact, not just so you will get safely to heaven, but that you will be someone if you commit to my battle plan. And his understanding of what the battle requires, I believe, is what the other one of the other things. As a warrior, up, uh, upcoming battle meant gearing up for action, meeting with your commanders, allocating resources, outlining the battle plans. The one thing it didn't mean is standing in place, striking the ground as a king. That makes no sense. I don't get what you're asking me to do, Elisha, and so I'm, not, I'm only going to obey according to what I think it should be. Because he knew what a battle, a battle warrior should look like. Fast and powerful, equipped, motivational speeches, hours spent in the archery range. I wonder if our churches do the same thing. We run around doing good programs. We strategize events. We think of how we might engage the community. All the while spending very little time in the ground 
or the place that God says, strike the ground. You want to win victory? Strike the ground. And where's the ground you strike? In the place where strength is. You need to pray. Forget energizing your your programs. Forget mobilizing your community. Go into the place where I said victory is actually accomplished. Strike the ground. Come before me and pray. See, the problem is, sometimes with us, our understanding is often in places in the wrong battlefield. Because we aren't called to be warriors that go to the place that blood is first spilt. We are called to be warriors to remain in the place where our strength is. People of prayer. This is neat to have seven churches together as has been pointed out as one. But wouldn't it be incredible if we were to call a prayer meeting tonight? How many of us would be there? To come into the place where he said, this is the place where battle is won. Not, not just a battle victory. But fully believing. The last thing I just want to say is his lack of faith, because striking the ground is not the place to help a king win the battle at hand. Here's the hard part, the saddest part. The saddest part is Joash had no idea of the battle that God called him to fight. He was so preoccupied with the enemy that was out there that he missed, I've got a much bigger battle plan for you. You're wanting to fight in a skirmish. I'm wanting to fight in a war that will destroy everything. And so Joash settled for a life of endless battles. The Syrians never to this day have never been anything other than Israel's enemy because Elisha only struck the ground three times, or Joash struck the ground three times and then quit. But submitting our will without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please God because he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Some of your Bibles will say this, without faith it is impossible to please God because he that cometh to God, she that cometh to God, must believe and they'll say he is, and they'll say he exists. It's not what it means. We don't have faith because we believe God exists. We come and have faith because He is, He is what? He is God that we sang about in worship. He is God Almighty. He is God All-Powerful. He is God Redeemer. He is God Rescuer. He is God Savior. It's not that God exists. It is God, He is. Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is God. And that he is a rewarder of those, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So as we look back, as we look back on the year past and give some thoughts to the year ahead, here's the question. Is there a thought just sort of, okay, we'll look at Joash and, and Elisha, and it's just a nice Bible story as, as the king says farewell to a dying prophet. Or is our time coming together to end the year just so we bookend it right? Or is it a time where God says to us, look, 
from the beginning of time, I've wanted to do immeasurably more with your life than you've allowed me to do. Where he calls you and I to step into victories that he wants to accomplish in and through you. See, the greatest uh, tragedy for the Christians is that we believers in Jesus and the believers in a risen Christ, we have greatly underestimated what God wants to do in us and through us. We settle down instead of surging ahead. We nibble and graze instead of leaping and jumping. We strike the ground three times instead of striking the ground that God says, keep striking until I tell you to stop because I'm going to give you amazing victories. So here's the question I leave you with. What do you settle for? Compliance? A relationship with God that, well, I did what you asked me to do. Or a full-out, faith-filled, spirit-empowered adventure with the living Christ who believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Quit praying for the church to come alive. Quit praying for the neighborhood to come to Christ. Quit praying for our workers to come to Christ and start praying that I individually come alive in my faith to understand that's the God who calls me to live and then watch your neighborhoods change and then watch your family change and then watch your city change. A full out adventure, passionate, intimate relationship with God because that's what Paul called us to do, to know. I want you to know, there's three things he said, I want you to know, I want you to know this, guys. I want you to know the hope of his calling and I want you to know the riches of his inheritance in the saints and just quickly, I'm not going to preach about this, The inheritance in the saints is you and I are his inheritance. It's not that he's going to give us the inheritance of heaven. It says, you're it. We're it. You are the riches of his inheritance. But then he says this. So you may know the hope. And you may know the riches of inheritance, but that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. That's your power. That's it. Strike the ground three times. No, why strike the ground? He says, keep striking. So church, open the windows and shoot your arrow eastward and strike the ground repeatedly with faith until we are overwhelmed with the church, that we don't marvel that there's 700 here, that we marvel that God is just bringing people after people in a saving knowledge of Christ. May that be our look forward in the year 2018. May that be what ignites us. Compliance or a faith-filled adventure with Christ. Let's pray. Father, we confess to you that we so often settle for so much less than what you call us to. 
And Lord, we pray that as we look at the year, we don't know what is ahead. We don't know what it means for the church corporate. We don't know what it means for the city of Richmond. We don't even know what it means for our families. But we do know this, that you said that you love us with an everlasting love and that you have given within us the power of the resurrected Christ. So Lord, let us live a faith-filled, full-out adventure with you. And we'll just trust you to, to determine whatever outcome may come. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In the chorus of Whom Shall I Fear, it says, I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. So rise and respond and worship.